Well, good morning and welcome to Local Matters. We are talking today about education matters, and we're remembering a very, very special guy in the field of education here in in the Upper Cumberland region, Dr. Angelo Volpe, uh, retired president of Tennessee Tech University, passed away this past month, and uh, we are... Um, we're just going to talk about him today, and so with me today are three of his friends and faculty colleagues, uh, and then I'll chime in a little bit, but Dr. Jeff Roberts is Dean of the College of Arts and Sciences, former chairman of the History Department, and um, faculty athletic representative, so he's got a lot of different perspectives and Brian O'Connor, Dr. Brian O'Connor, is a professor of mathematics, former president of the faculty senate, uh, worked with Dr. Volpe in a lot of different ways, and went to church with him. And we'll uh, we'll talk about that. And Dr. David Laramore is a uh, uh, faculty member at Tech, but at the time that Dr. Volpe uh, served, Dave, you were uh, vice president for administration and planning. And you were athletic director under Dr. Volpe. So you had a number of different perspectives. And so we'll all just sort of share our time. And I served as dean under Dr. Volpe. And um, um, I had him throw several things across the table at me during that, <laughs> that time, for during budget, budget times. So we're just going to have a little fun and, and remember Angelo Volpe. So I'll just start with with each of you and say, uh, what what's your memory? What's your favorite thing? And then we'll talk about some some specific things. But Dave, you want to start with any favorite memory? I, there are a lot of uh, good memories. Um, I remember when I uh, first met him, I was uh, I was surprised that he he was not a very formal uh, kind of guy. He liked to downplay his status as president, and so he just wanted to be one of us. And uh, and that, I guess, was the thing that struck me most about his demeanor. Yeah, he was just disarming with yes. with charm and, and friendliness, mm-hmm. it seemed like. Brian, how about you? Well, when he passed away, the tech website mentioned started out by saying that he always remembered your name. Whether he'd known you for years or minutes, he remembered your name. And I think I was one of the first people at Tech to realize that when he interviewed for the position in 1987, they published an interview schedule, and he was supposed to meet with the students one day and then the faculty the next day. And I thought to myself, I wasn't sure I would be able to make the faculty meeting, so I went to the student meeting and uh, heard him speak. And I think I asked a question at the end saying I wasn't a student, but uh, I wanted to ask this question. So he responded to me. As it turns out, I was able to go to the faculty meeting the next day. And at one point when I raised my hand, he called on me by name. And people were going, how did he know your name? And I said, well, I was at the meeting yesterday. And he remembered my name from the day before. So he always did that. And uh, he knew people's names and remembered you and treated you as people. And one nice thing about my attending both of those meetings was that he gave the same answers to the students that he gave to the faculty on the same questions. It wasn't a case of, well, here's my audience, so I'm going to answer it this way. Here's another audience, so I'll answer it that way. He was pretty straightforward, and that was something that we 
I think, uh, appreciated in all the dealings that we had with him. Yeah, I think he was sort of a what you see is what you get kind of guy. Exactly. And uh, uh, he was he was very very good at that. Jeff, how about you? What's your favorite memory? Well, the fact that the man hired me. I mean, I owe Angelo a tremendous amount of thanks for that very reason. Um, he also gave me a lot of opportunity. Um, for example, he tasked me at one point with attempting to design a essentially manual procedures for our sports hall of fame committee which had had been a bit problematic before that, but I came up with a system that we've been using to this day and has has given us one great class of inductees after another. Um, Another case in point, he tasked me with uh, trying to come up with a working system of faculty evaluation, and I think we're about to replace it after 25 years this year. But I, I will always thank Angelo for all the opportunities he provided. Mm-hmm. And I think he did that with many of us. I, I was in that same boat. He he hired me, and he also, uh, 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 along with Provost Marvin Barker, they they both were sort of uh, instrumental in that decision. Scared me to death anyway during the time. But um, but yeah, I think he just uh, he, he tried to toss out opportunities in front of you and uh, and hoped. He rose to the occasion, and and well, we all know his background. But he uh, he came from Brooklyn, and he was a first generation college student. And I think he sort of related to many Tennessee Tech students because of that, didn't he? I think so. Um, a couple of days before the funeral, somebody asked me, "Did Angelo and Jeanette have any sons and daughters?" And I responded, "They had thousands of sons and daughters." And everybody who was a student of tech at that time knows exactly what I was talking about. Yeah, that's a good uh, a, a good reflection. I think he, um, um, he, as we saw at the funeral and in, on many other occasions, if Angela was in the room, students were going to come up to him and uh, bring a remembrance with them of their time. Hey, Brian, you mentioned that he made you comfortable, and he, he sort of uh, tried to recreate a spirit of the tech family when he got there and i thought he was just very skilled at making you feel like family jeff what do you you remember any of those oh absolutely um that that whole idea of tech family to me was was something he stressed in everything he did um because when you feel like you're part of a team you, you simply tend to be more productive and, you know, if you go about things with a smile on your face and, and feeling good about what you do, it, it just spills over. And Angelo was like that. Okay. Now, I, I heard he could get a little dusty at times if there was a tough budget situation or something like that. But um, his, his initiative was to go for the positive. And I think that paid tremendous dividends. You have various constituencies on campus between administrators and faculty and staff and students. And there might be times when you one group would be pitted against another, but really not, not in his case. We were all part of a family working together for common goals. And that was, I think, very important. Yeah, and, and Jeff, as you said, uh, the, there were times when a member of the family might have to go to the woodshed with with uh, with dad and have a little talk on the way, um, so they you know he he could get his temper up if he needed to, or at least appear to and make you think that 
things were a little tense, but um, but he treated everybody, I think, as as part of the family. And I think everyone from the custodial staff, the the um, the folks in the in the cafeteria, they just they knew him and knew him as a friend and and as a family member. He was really talented at that, and he had a uh, he had a wife that helped with that. Jeanette mm-hmm. Volpe did her part to create a sense of family too. Any mm-hmm. memories of the early days with Jeanette from anybody? I just remember one. I'll sort of start that with the the faculty women's club, as I think it was called then, and. She uh, uh, she just came in and sort of adopted, and everyone felt like she was one of them, just uh, right. uh, just part of the team. Went forward, but uh, we've all had um, over thirty years of knowing Jeanette, also, and uh, knowing them in this community, and and they've been a just been a been a big part of it. Well, we're, you, you know, one other yeah, thing ahead, is when you look at the two of them and listen to how they talked, that you realized <laughs> they're not from around here, but they fit in here so perfectly, even with that, that uh, you realize that, you know, there are people everywhere that we can respect and have a good time with and doesn't have to just be people we've sort of grown up next to. You can have people come in and do a good job and win the respect of everybody here. So that that was an interesting aspect to that. Mm-hmm. And I think at one point, uh, some person in the upper levels of the state of Tennessee government saying, why are we hiring him? Well, we found out he was a good match. Yeah, I think that's right. We found out he was the right guy for the job. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, they they broke down a number of stereotypes while they were here. Just everybody thought outsider and this just isn't going to work, and um, it worked very, very well. So uh, a great couple, and, and they certainly added a lot to the presidency. But uh, it was fun to travel with him to uh, Board of Regents meetings and places like that. And, Dave, I know you did that too. And, uh, again, it wasn't just the tech faculty and staff that loved Angelo. It was People would see him, and the smiles would start in uh, in Nashville. When we would when we would go to OVC meetings uh, representing Tennessee Tech, it would be the faculty athletics rep uh, who was Thurston Banks at that time before Jeff and um, and all the other guys and and gals were um, envious of of. Uh, Thurston and me because uh, we had we had such a close relationship with the president. It was almost like the other ADs and faculty athletic reps uh, and presidents. It was like they didn't they didn't travel together, uh, <laughs> and they were at opposite ends. And they were always the other colleagues were envious of the tech contingent because. It was obvious that uh, we had a really tight relationship. And, and Angelo was a sports fan, and he attended all the sports. So, I mm. mean, that really helped in that regard as well. Yeah, he wasn't just playing a role. He really was a, a sports fan. And we'll talk about that. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back and talk about Angelo Volpe, the Yankees fan, and and the baseball player, and all kinds of things like that. This is Local Matters. Uh, We are talking about Dr. Angelo Volpe, 
and we'll take a break and be right back. What's so important about shopping with locally owned businesses? When you shop local, your hard-earned dollars stay here in the community, helping to benefit your friends and neighbors, local schools, roads, and all aspects of community life. But what happens to my money if I spend it online or at a national chain store? In most cases, the profits go far away, out of state, corporate headquarters, or even overseas. It doesn't take any extra effort to shop local. Office Mart on South Jefferson and Cookville is your locally owned office furniture and supply store. For over 35 years, they've been proud to serve businesses in the Upper Cumberland with quality and value. You get real customer service, too. And unlike shopping online, you can actually see and try out the large inventory of office furniture in their showroom. And when it's delivered, it's not a box on your step. They're glad to install and set up everything. Office Mart. There's no other locally owned office store in the region. South Jefferson Avenue across from Hardee's. Shop local at Office Mart. Welcome back to Local Matters. We are talking uh, today with three, actually four of us who are were colleagues of Dr. Angelo Volpe, the seventh president of Tennessee Technological University. And uh, we're just sharing some remembrances of, of Angelo and Jeanette during his time in the presidency and then in his time as a former president, a president emeritus, uh, where he was a citizen here in Cookville and in the Upper Cumberland. And uh, Brian, right before we uh, took the break, you were talking about Angelo as a baseball fan and his love, not just of tech baseball, but going all the way back to his childhood, his love of the Yankees. So talk about the baseball fan, Angelo Volpe. Oh, he was the biggest baseball fan and biggest Yankees fan. In fact, there was a group of people in town who would meet periodically, all Yankees fans. And I was just talking with one of them the other day, and he said, and he knew a lot, too. I mean, you could ask him any questions about the Yankees, and he knew that. So I remember one time years ago, I got to think, I said, Ange, you grew up in Brooklyn. How did you become a New York Yankees fan and not a Brooklyn Dodgers fan? And he said, well... Think who was on the Yankees at that time. Frankie Crossetti, Phil Rizzuto, Vic Rashi, Yogi Berra, Joe DiMaggio. With Italian names like that, who is a guy named Angelo Volpe supposed to root for? <laughs> <laughs> well, and the and fact that they won a lot didn't hurt it either. It didn't hurt a bit. He would uh, occasionally show up after a big win with a Yankees hat on or a shirt or some kind of a celebratory. I remember one time when the Yankees had won the World Series in 98 and 99, and ooh, they were in the playoffs the following year, and he told me, I want four in a row. And I said, I grew up in Chicago. I just want one in my lifetime. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the Cubs and the White Sox weren't uh, weren't the Yankees, were they? Well, he took that love for baseball down to the Tech baseball team, too. Uh, We all would see him at, at baseball. And, um, Dave, you were athletic director at the time. I know you probably saw him more than any of us at the baseball games, but he um, he just loved baseball wherever he found it, didn't yeah, he? He did. He did. Um, but it wasn't unique to baseball, although it was, baseball was special to him. He was at uh, all the athletic events. Um, I can remember uh, going down to the floor after the – 
basketball games and um, we would always try to get down a few minutes early and so that we could uh, greet the players whether they won or lost after the game and I remember being down there one day and uh, and we were standing there waiting and waiting for the game to end and and he looked at me and said you know if I had only five minutes to live I would like for it to be the last five minutes of a basketball game <laughs> because the coaches uh, know how to uh, extend the game uh, at that point to make it last as long as possible so that they have a chance to win. And so, yeah, between the fouls and the timeouts and everything, <laughs> yeah. it can and they be save an eternity. it all for the last five minutes. Yeah, that's um, that's great. Well, he uh, he certainly did did enjoy tech sports. And the two of you together, along with, and we'll talk about Marsha's role in this too, but uh, you guys sort of revolutionized tech athletics. Uh, something came along called gender equity during that period. And uh, you not just, it didn't just comply with it, you made tech a, um, a national leader in that. So talk a little bit about how gender equity came to play at Tech? Well, it, it, it helped that we had been extremely successful in women's basketball and um, had a scholarship women's basketball team before other schools had any women's sports presence. And so that helped. Um, but um, Angelo and with Marsha Boris, who was the associate athletics director, and myself, early on when t Title IX was being discussed and debated as to whether it was the right thing to do and so forth, we, we, with Angelo's leadership, made a decision that we would comply as rapidly as we could with equity uh, for women. One other, you know, to put it all out, uh, one other advantage we had was that our student body was 52, our undergraduate student body was 52% male. And so the, the target was a little more uh, readily achievable. And so we decided that rather than write every year extensively about our efforts to comply, that we would just uh, develop a plan to aggressively comply and then we would not have to talk about it anymore and um, and, and that, Angelo was uh, you know he was the front edge of that because the president is always the front edge and uh, uh, you mentioned 52 percent the the rule is that your athletics uh, uh, participation rates overall have to reflect the same percent of male and female in your student body. Exactly. Doesn't have to be that way in every sport. You don't have to have 50% women on your football team, but you do have to have 50% in, in Tennessee Tech's case, 52 and 48% roughly um, at, on all the teams put together. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And to that effect, Dr. Volpe started women's soccer at Tennessee Tech, and he also brought women's track and field back after about a 12-year hiatus. Right. And those two moves with full scholarships to go along there is what gave us, again, really Title IX achievements that are, that are beyond the other schools in the OVC. 
Well, and not just the OBC. Uh, after I became president, we got a call one day, and and it was Mark Wilson as athletic director at the time, and and I, and um, they asked us to come to New York to receive an award from the National Women's Sports Federation. And that award was for being the Southeastern leader in gender equity. There were four schools picked across the nation. And um, uh, University of Washington was the Western school. I remember that. But we were the Southeastern school. And um, the really cool thing, and I tried to get Angelo to go with us to that meeting, and he had a conflict, and I think we tried to get you to fly up with us. But Mark and I ended up going to New York, and I got to have lunch with one of my childhood heroes because I was a tennis player in college. I lettered in tennis, but I loved tennis, and Billie Jean King was the Mm. best (laughs) tennis player around when I was a kid, and um, she was president of the Women's Sports Federation. And so I got to have lunch with one of my heroes because of Dave Larimore and Angelo Volpe and Marsha Royals. Boris. Boris. I, I'm sorry, Marsha. Um, and, again, we're just uh, honored that Tennessee Tech got uh, such a, a, a great reputation and maintains it to this day. We still have very strong um, gender, gender equity in our, in our athletic programs. Yeah. Angelo was very proud of those achievements. And along with, you know, playing by the rules and making sure our student-athletes graduated, uh, he took a lot of pride in meeting those Title IX goals. Yes, he did. He did. And we owe a lot to that leadership. We are going to take another quick break, and we will come back and uh, uh, join our third segment in just a moment. Welcome back to Local Matters. We are talking education matters today, and we are talking about Our friend, Dr. Angelo Volpe, the seventh president of Tennessee Technological University. Uh, And uh, we are just remembering him today with with a number of of stories. Um, And and I will start with one. Uh, Angelo uh, inherited a time in the state of Tennessee when there were some pretty tough budgets uh, going through the state. It was just some tough economic times. And um, I know when when uh, I became president, he came in one of the first days and said, Bobby, and he always called me Bobby for some reason. And, and anyway, he said, Bobby, um, I wish I'd have left you with better budgets. And looking back on it, he left me with a pretty good budget compared to the ones we had sometimes in the next few years. But we had something in those days and it called budget hearings in the president's office. And the, the, the administrators would gather and a particular dean would be up for roasting on a given afternoon or a given day and uh, would, would come up to present his dreams or her dreams of, of a good budget. And, and occasionally those meetings got testy. They, they were, yeah, I mean, they were fights over very limited resources. And um, often they weren't fights. Often Angelo would find a way to get, get it done. 
But there would be other times when there was no money and um, uh, it just wasn't going to happen. And I remember a dean who um, will remain unnamed who just kept fighting. He would not let go of the president. i got to have this money. We've got to do this project. And Angelo used a very select set of words with that dean and and then sort of slammed his hand on the table and said, i got to have a cigarette and walked out of the room. <laughs> and that was one of the signals that it was time to duck. When, when the president said, I need a cigarette, I, re- I learned early that meant uh, don't push this any further. <laughs> He's taking a break for a reason, and we'll have a different subject when we come back together. So it, it was a tough time, and yet here was the f- guy who wanted to be the friendliest guy on the campus and uh, who wanted to be your friend and yet had to, had to tell you no and um, – or maybe didn't have to, but still did, just because he didn't like the idea you had on your mind that day. Uh, but I always thought he was as fair as he could be on those things. But that doesn't mean there wasn't tension in some of those those meetings. Dave, you sat in on on many hearings, so you saw some of that tension too, I'm sure. Yes, um, the the approach was uh, basically. Uh, if we can develop a plan to get through uh, this year, um, uh, you know, and, and things will get better next year, and so then we can make it. And so for his, other than the first year he was president, I think it was maybe the first or maybe into the second. After that, it was always lower budgets until the end of his presidency, and so it was always – uh, if we we can we can plan to get through this year using one time money, uh, and then when things are better next year, we'll be okay. Uh, and it never got better uh, during his entire tenure. But uh, I think one thing he was proudest of was the fact that during all these tough budget times, he never had to let anybody go because of the budgets. They had to do some creative things and work around it, but he was proudest of the fact that they never had to terminate anybody because of the budget crunch. And his thought was, these aren't positions. These are people with names and part of the family. And so I think amid all that, he was proudest of that. Yeah, he protected the family, and that was just just central core to to his – his style. Well, he um, he, he had a, a, a long career as a president. It, across the United States, 13 years as a president is is a long time. Most presidents don't uh, uh, don't enjoy that kind of tenure, and he uh, he had a very remarkable time, and served as an officer and a, a chair. I, I know in the ASCU, the American Association of State Colleges and Universities, he was a deeply respected uh, member of that president's council. And uh, Dino Curris, the president of ASCU, and Angelo were were very, very close friends. So he had a lot going on during the presidency that uh, – 
took Tennessee Tech beyond the borders of Cookville and and made friends and family in a lot of different places. But when he retired, one of the um, buildings on the campus that he had fought so hard to uh, to build and raised he went out to raise a lot of money to help build that library became the Angelo and Jeanette Volpe Library. And uh, you can still see that building on campus today, but I imagine all four of us were there at the dedication ceremony when um, when that building was named for Angelo and Jeanette. And it's, it's just a, a fitting tribute. Um, and it was fitting that his, um, his uh, visitation was held in that library here just a few weeks ago. Any uh, memories from that visitation? You all were there. Uh, My memory is there just were a lot of people there wanting to see other friends and to remember Angelo. And they just stood around in small circles and talked about Angelo. It was good to see Jeanette again because with the pandemic, really, we really hadn't seen them since that happened. So it was good to see her again. Mm-hmm. And um, it was. Uh, we hope we will continue to see Jeanette now that she can get out maybe a, a bit more. Uh, speaking of getting out, Jeff, you were president of the the Cookville Rotary Club. Angelo was. A very proud member of Rotary for many years, wasn't he? Absolutely. He was a member, uh, I think, for 35 years altogether. Uh, A lot of people at that visitation were friends of his from Rotary. Um, And in Rotary, Angelo was someone who would would do whatever job was necessary. Uh, He was happy to serve bacon or eggs or whatever at the pancake breakfast. Um, help with you know, making the batter. You know, he was no job was beneath him. He was glad to pitch in whenever and wherever, and again, do it with a smile on his face. Um, I know he enjoyed Rotary. Um, he very often sat with Jim Lacey, who, of course, is our former president of Rotary International. And um, the two of them always seemed to have the best banter going, and you know, particularly if the Yankees were in the news, and even more so. But I know Angelo enjoyed Rotary a great deal. He did. He also sat with Wallace Prescott while Wallace was living, uh, and the three of them together always had some kind of animated conversation going on. Did he slip a little oregano into the pancake batter? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Probably. Probably did. Probably did. Brian, you're a musician, and you saw Angelo also in the Bryan Symphony Orchestra. He he was on that board, but he also was he was an usher. He was just an active participant in the symphony. Oh yes. He loved classical music. He loved Italian opera. <laughs> and uh, whenever there was a concert that had something that he and Jeanette would sponsor the concert. So it was always good to have somebody actively involved in the cultural life of this community for so many years and doing a variety of important tasks. So it was really good to have that. Now, speaking of cultural life, um, uh, you just said something that stimulated a thought. Angelo liked to play poker, too, didn't he? 
Anybody got a poker story? Yeah, but I'm not so sure I should tell them. (laughs) (laughs) They're they're good ones, huh? Absolutely. Let's just say he he could bluff on occasion. He absolutely (laughs) could bluff on occasion. And good for him. (laughs) Yeah, and I think he used that bluffing skill in some of his work at Tech at at times. (laughs) Uh, Also... Well, Angelo, uh, as we said earlier, was not only just known at Tech. If you looked at the Tennessee Board of Regents and the Tennessee Higher Education Commission, he was not just a participant in those meetings. He was a um, a valued leader in those meetings. Even after he retired, uh, he formed a group uh, called the, the Group of Elders, that were retired university presidents and chancellors of the system who were just there to provide perspective if anybody wanted to. And other than that, they were there to enjoy each other. Mm-hmm. And I know there were times when I would go to them, uh, and Angelo and Roy Nix were probably the two I dealt the most with, but I would go to them before the meeting ever started and just sort of do a what-if how do you think this is going to fly or whatever? But I know also the executive director of the higher ed system, Rich Rota, you would see him look to that group and go over and huddle with them during the meeting. So Angelo led that group, and so he was part of a brain trust for the state for many years after, after he retired. Well, we, we are all going to miss... Our president, Angelo Volpe, uh, and we just wanted to spend today uh, thanking him for the time he was here. And I want to thank each of you for joining us on the show.